I feel like the kid who asks for homework every time I see uh, snow in the forecast these days because I'm happy to see it. Uh, it's winter. Uh, we, we do need it. Uh, winter's not my favorite season, but this is Canada. Snow and the cold are part of the deal, or at least they're supposed to be. Uh, winter has been quite mild. January has been especially so. We do have some snow in the forecast for next week. We'll see if that does uh, uh, continue. Uh, but this mild winter raises the question of why is this happening, but also what could it lead to? Canada has a lot of freshwater lakes, and when they don't freeze over, they are typically warmer by the time spring and summer rolls around, and that has an impact on uh, the environment and our climate and the temperatures, and it's just this a circle that goes around and around. Uh, Blair Feltmate is the head of the Intac Center on Climate Ad- Adaptation at the University of Waterloo. Joins us now. Uh, Blair, appreciate the time today. Oh, very happy to be here. Is climate change behind this warm winter we're experiencing, or is it something else? No, this is effectively what we're seeing is 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 climate change in in action. Modeling for many years have predicted an increase in temperature due to the burning of fossil fuels on the planet, which traps heat energy that would otherwise escape into space. It stays in the system, uh, contributing to warming. And as a result of that, we're seeing uh, uh, warmer temperatures, average temperatures both in winters and uh, in the uh, summers. So uh, overall, on a planetary basis, for example, uh, we're about one point, just over 1.1 degrees Celsius on average, warmer temperature on the planet today than occurred 100 years ago. And uh, Canada itself is heating at two times the global average in the southern regions of uh, Canada and three times the global average in the north. So uh, bringing it back to this immediate temperature, the, the warmer temperatures we're experiencing, uh, we can link that back very directly to climate change. I want to talk the short-term and the long-term. Short-term first, I was mentioning, you know, the freshwater lakes off the top. What impact does this warm winter have for the summer that might follow? Well, one of the uh, uh, problems is that we get more evaporation off the Great Lakes, and that can actually uh, so diminish the amount of water that's realized through uh, the evaporation cycle on one end. But then on the flip side... Um, it, it, the uh, we get precipitation events in the summer uh, where more water comes down or, over shorter periods of time, and that can cause an influx of water into the Great Lakes. All of that to say is that we can have more variability in the lake levels in the Great Lakes uh, than we would be used to historically. Long term, and you kind of touched upon this uh, earlier, but what can we expect in the future for you know for summer and winter? Uh, temperatures are going to get a lot hotter for sure. And, uh, for example, I think you're in the, the, the London area. Right now, during summer, uh, you experience in the range of about 20 days per summer in excess of uh, 30 degrees Celsius. These are hot days during the summer. By 2050 to 2080, uh, in your area, the number of hot days per summer is going to triple. You're going to have about 55 to 60 days per summer where the temperature is in excess of 30 degrees Celsius. And then just more broadly for major cities across Canada, from uh, Victoria to, to Halifax, as a general rule of thumb, maximum daily temperatures in the summer are going to increase by about 3 to 5 degrees Celsius. 
So right now, if you, in your area, let's say, if you top out at around 35, 36 degrees Celsius, uh, by 2050, 2080, that's going to go up towards 40 degrees Celsius uh, maximum daily temperature. This week, uh, the Insurance Bureau of Canada announced uh, claims for uh, last year, 2022, were at $3.1 billion. It was a billion dollars more than the year previous. It was the third worst in Canadian history. Uh, was uh, climate change one of the influencers for those insurance claims? Yes, absolutely, categorically. Um, and, and the long-term trend, by the way, on insurance claims is from about... Uh, 1983 up to 2008, the insurance industry, in terms of big claims paid out, could count on paying out between about 250 to 450 million dollars per year. From 2009 onwards, now for 13 out of the last 14 years, the insurance claims have gone over a billion dollars per year. 13 out of the last 14 years, with uh, last year being the third most expensive year on record. And what was interesting about uh, claims last year for for Canada is that it wasn't one single event that drew up the claims. In other words, in 2016, we had the Fort McMurray fire, and that was the big contributor to insurance claims that year. In 2013, we had major flooding in uh, uh, Toronto and Calgary, and those two events made up the bulk of the uh, uh, insurance claims. But in 2022, last year, the claims were spread out right across the country. It was the Hurricane Fiona in the east, flooding and windstorms in central Canada, uh, hail in the Calgary-Edmonton uh, region, and then further west in B.C., uh, we had, uh, again, flooding. So we were seeing uh, uh, what contributed to the, the, the claims last year was really spread uh, uh, factors spread geographically across the country, and it wasn't one particular peril. It was a multitude of perils, which is exactly uh, what we would predict under climate change. That leads to uh, the question, uh, the final question, how could we better prepare for extreme weather? At the very top of the list, what every Canadian should be doing, particularly here in uh, uh, southern Ontario, uh, is preparing for flooding. The number one cost of climate change in Canada by far is the peril is flooding, and the specific aspect of the peril is residential basement flooding. Basements flooding is the number one cost of climate change in Canada by far, but there's a lot people can do around the outside of their homes and in the basement itself to prepare their homes such that when the big storms hit, they don't flood out. And it's things like as simple as, for example, checking on your sub pump. If you have a sub pump in the basement of your house, which sits in a little well or bucket in below the floor of the basement, if water gets into the basement, it goes into that well, pumps water, there's a pump that pumps the water outside. Check that pump ahead of time to see does it even work. Pour a bucket of water in there and see does it pump water outside. If it doesn't, that's a problem. Fix it before you end up with otherwise a basement full of water. Plastic covers over window wells to make it such that when the big storms hit, the water doesn't fill window wells for windows at grade level, and, uh, and that water subsequently flows into the basement. There's a whole bunch of things people could do around your house, as simple as that which I've just described, that can very much lower the probability they'll end up with a flooded basement. And if they turn to our website, the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation, just type Intact Center on Climate Adaptation, immediately what will roll up, they will see a, a, a simple infographic with 15 diagrams that show them things that they could check around their house this weekend 
uh, uh, that are instantaneously understandable, that people can take actions to lower the probability that they'll realize a flood at basement when big storms hit going forward. That's great advice. Uh, Blair, I've uh, really appreciated the conversation. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. That's uh, Blair Feltmate, uh, head of the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo.